Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. We are now streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, in addition to Blueberry and SoundCloud, and at www.vhha.com. You can also hear episodes of the podcast each Saturday at 11 a.m. on WJFN 100.5 FM in the Richmond area. Please listen on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. You can also send questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. That's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. With that taken care of, let's introduce today's guest. Joining us is Juanita Prada, who twice survived cancer diagnoses in her youth. Today, as a young adult, Juanita works as a volunteer in the Carilion Roanoke Memorial Hospital Pediatric Unit with patients who are also facing serious illness and disease, just as she did in her childhood. In a moment, we'll discuss Juanita's volunteer work and her personal ordeal with serious childhood illness. But first, welcome to the program, Juanita. Thank you, Julian. I appreciate it. Absolutely, and we're glad to have you. We're recording this episode in mid-September, which is recognized as Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And so Juanita's visit with us today is timely, topical, and personal. As we mentioned, Juanita twice survived a serious form of leukemia that affects blood and bone marrow in the body. As she battled illness, Juanita slipped into a coma, had a stroke, and underwent intensive chemotherapy. The effects of this illness on her young body were so severe that Juanita had to relearn to walk and speak. She also needed additional schooling to catch up, not only for time missed, but because the illness for a time hampered her cognitively. Things were just returning to normal for Juanita when, at age 14, the leukemia returned. That overview, of course, doesn't begin to explain the harrowing physical ordeal that Juanita endured. So if you could, Juanita, please explain from your personal experience the toll it takes on a child stricken with serious illness, both physically and emotionally, and and what you went through. Of course, Julian, yes. So like you've mentioned, my cancer began when I was 10 years old. I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is a type of cancer that affects uh, blood and bone marrow. And at the time, I just remember, you know, it was the first week of school and I had just bruises all over my body and my parents weren't really sure of that. We thought we just, you know, we must have bumped myself. I also wasn't feeling well. I had a high fever, over 100. So obviously something was not right went to the hospital and they diagnosed me with cancer. And of course, everything just from then forward was very traumatizing and and life-changing. You know, to begin a treatment, you have to undergo a procedure, which is to put a portacath in. And when this happened, you know, these complications arise, which led me, you know, a vein was cut and it wasn't, you know, it it just led me straight to ICU. And in the state of coma, as you mentioned before, which I was there for a couple of days in ICU. And then miraculously, I was able to wake up from coma. And um, from there, there was a lot, a lot of, lot, a lot of months, almost a year, rehabilitation, um, just a lot of, you know, learning how to walk, learn how to talk. You know, my first language was Spanish, so I had to learn how to talk both in English and Spanish again, learning how to do, you know, my activities of daily living, learning how to, like, go to the restroom. Basically, my mind was of a four-year-old, but really I was a 10-year-old. And so with that came a lot of complications. That was a lot of delay in 
homeschooling, which, you know, the article focused a lot about. I didn't attend school for a year, which delayed me from a lot of educational levels um, in the fifth grade. You know, I was starting to you know, move on to the sixth grade. But of course, I had to get a lot of schooling before that and a lot of homeschooling, a lot of summer schooling before I could actually move on to sixth grade. Eventually, I, I forgot to say that in, in between all this, a lot of it came with just cognitive impairments that arise due to 15 different types of chemotherapy treatments that I received. So, you know, everything, like I said, again, everything was taking it slow and eventually recuperating one day at a time. I then was able to eventually go to on to sixth grade. And this meant, you know, this was a new phase for me because I was in educational courses, remedial courses in a different classroom setting with different peers. You know, I had to be in a smaller classroom. I had accommodations. I had to have like two teachers in my classroom. I had to have like a lot of repetition, a lot of make it more understandable to me, um, staying after school every day with my teachers to go over, you know, seeing the lecture that day at school and staying after school to see it again. That's really kind of like helped me. But, you know, being that age, you at that time, you really want to be with your peers. You really want to be, you know, at the football game or you really want to be at the soccer game or, you know, just attending those daily school activities. And unfortunately, you know, I wasn't able to attend none of those because of the type of cancer I had. You know, I couldn't really get any types of infection. So I kind of avoided going to any of those, like, activities that were big. And after I recuperated, I was cancer-free for about two years. And then, bam, the relapse happened. It was one of those moments that, you know, it just, it was so unreal just to me, to my family, to, you know, every my support group, because of the first cancer diagnosis was such a traumatic event. A lot of recuperation, a lot of rehabilitation went on that this time I was like, OK, well, you know what, Juanita, really, you can you can do this. You know, I, I'm sure this second time is not going to be as far worse as the first time. You kind of already know the the healthcare professionals that are treating you. You're you feel comfortable with who is treating you. You know the people in there. So let's let's do it again. Let's do what we need to do to get this cancer out. And so I took it with a lot of you know positivity for a 14 year old girl because by then I was in the eighth grade. And I remember that day when I was diagnosed. I remember I was in a in a math class and then. I was looking at the professor and then some, a friend called my name and was like, hey, Juanita. And I turned around. I had like blurry vision from the right side of my eye. And so I knew right then something had happened. And so it was, you know, the relapse. And so, again, you know, that was a lot of school taken out of my daily life. You know, I was supposed to be a 10-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl in a classroom setting, learning at the same, you know, the same uh, material that all my friends were. But unfortunately, I was in the hospital for for a good five years in and out. And so, of course, that delayed a lot, a lot of my learning, it delayed a lot of my process, a lot of ability of kind of like seeing things, you know, the chemotherapy really, at the second time I had chemotherapy and radiation at the same time, which it just messes up your brain. And I just, it was frustrating just not to be able to understand things like my peers. You know, everybody learns differently, that's very true, but just being a child with cancer, like this didn't, you know, why did this happen to me? It was just one of those moments that I couldn't accept the fact that I had to be in a different classroom. 
I couldn't see my friends. Um, I like really never because I couldn't go to the event. It was just difficult oh. time for a teenager. Well, thank you for being willing to relive some of those difficult memories. The good news is your story has a happy resolution. You're now healthy, and the perspective you gain from being a childhood patient has inspired you to work with young patients in Carilion Roanoke Memorial Hospital's pediatric unit. If you would, can you tell me a little bit about how long you've been volunteering, how often you visit the unit, and the positive effect that interaction has for the patients and for you? Yes, of course, Julian. I started volunteering at Carilion Children's Hospital right after I finished Virginia Tech. And that was fall 2017. And I began volunteering um, knowing that I wanted to pursue a career in child life and becoming a child life specialist. I started volunteering knowing that this wouldn't only help my professional development, but this would help me grow like as a person and just kind of know more about families and and patients who kind of underwent similar cases of being hospitalized. I really enjoyed being able to relate to the patients and the families. And then sometimes I can't relate to the patients and the families, but I try my best to just emphasize and be kind and understand that I know this is a really hard situation to to be here, but I feel like I'm there just I'm also there to just kind of distract patients. I knew that being in the hospital with somebody who helped distract me made me feel better. So that's kind of what I want to do. That's kind of like my goal and um, my objectives when I go into volunteering with patients. When you say distraction, yeah. what kinds of things are we talking about? Reading books or playing games? What kinds of things do you do when you're engaging with young patients? When I'm engaging with young patients, I do lots of things. Either Play-Doh, uh, we do board games, we do arts and crafts, puzzles, we do uh, little action figures, blocks. It depends on the age of the patient, what, what their interests are, you know, video games. Maybe they like to do Sudoku or maybe they like to do a crossword puzzle together. Diversional conversation, you know, some of the patients are older patients, you know, so not always, it's always difficult a little bit with the older patients, but I can also relate to that and just kind of know firsthand just, okay, at this age, this child or, or teenager is probably wanting to do this activity or even just talk, you know, older children, older teens just want to just have somebody to talk to because most of these children don't their parents are gone or just don't want to share their feelings with anybody else. And so I'm there to be there for them emotionally, socially, and just helping them cope with their situation. Well, it sounds like there are different ways that you can interact with patients, but all of them, it seems like, are helpful in keeping their spirits high. And that's an important part of the work you do as a, as a volunteer. And it seems like that's something that's also been critical um, for your own peace of mind because of your own past health setbacks have in some ways been a challenge for you to overcome as you've pursued higher education and a career. I know that, and you mentioned this, that uh, you are looking forward to a career working with children professionally. Um, and You mentioned that uh, you've received your undergraduate degree and that also I think you've also completed uh, some practicum work at uh, Children's National Health System in, in Washington, D.C. So can you tell me sort of about what's as you look forward, sort of what you envision for your career path and where where you think and hope that will take you? Yes, of course. Really, I envision myself being an advocate for not just childhood cancer patients, but also hospitalized children. I envision myself in that in the child life profession 
and just just being there for the child or the adolescent who, who's just having the roughest time coping with with their illness. Well, that sounds like a really noble pursuit, and uh, and it's good to know that that you are engaged in this work and really applying what you experienced as a patient um, to the way that you engage with the world and, and help other patients. Um, so, so that's really great to hear, and, and thank you for doing that. Before we go, we'll close with a question that we ask all of our guests on VHHA's Patients Come First podcast. It's one that we borrow from a popular BBC program, and the question is this. Juanita, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take with you to keep you company, and we will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what one book, one movie, and one album would you want to have to occupy yourself? Hmm, okay, well, um, as for books, I'm not a big reader. I love to, I'm a visual learner, so I love to watch documentaries and all that. But for books, really, when I was in college, I loved my, all my college courses, but there was one course, one of my professors at Virginia Tech, she edited a book, and it was a human development book called Family Problems, Stress, Risk, and Resilience. I could relate so much to that book. That's why I just enjoy reading it for fun, and I, and I still do. And it's by um, Dr. Arditi. She was one of my awesome professors at Virginia Tech. I learned so much from her. Okay, and, and movie and album. Yes, for a movie, hmm. I love comedies. One of my favorites is School of Rock. I just love Jack Black. It's, 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 a, it's, a, very, it's a very funny and endearing movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, not yeah, much yeah, question yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> And for music, I'm, I, you know, I am Latina, so I always stay close with my Latin roots, and I love to salsa dance. If you know me, I, you know I love to salsa dance, and my favorite is um, a song called Vivir Mi Vida by Mark Anthony. And it's a happy song, really just, you know, forgetting the sadness and living one's life. And it's an honor to, it's like honoring one's life, basically, is what the message sends. Well, that sounds like a great message. And as you and I both know, having watched School of Rock, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. And with, and with that, that brings us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe so that you'll know when new episodes are available. And we want to once again thank our guest Juanita Prada for all you're doing as a volunteer with childhood hospital patients and for everything that you're going to do in the future and working with this population. So thanks. Thank you, Julian. I appreciate it.